0: Welcome to the Play-Based Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen R.B. Peterson, and maybe your new teacher bestie that is here to hype you up, maybe give you a motivating kick in the pants, and teach you all I know about play and childhood. I am here to help you challenge old and outdated practices and inspire you to create a truly developmentally appropriate early childhood environment that fosters creativity, curiosity, and joy in the children that you care for. Let's set the stage for a lifelong love of learning. Let's get going. Welcome to the Play Based Learning Podcast. I'm Kristen Peterson. I don't think I've ever opened my podcast in that way before, but that was fun. And today I have Lindsay Nicholas with me, a friend and a fellow play advocate. She is, she is like the sleep guru for children and so I wanted her to come and talk to us all about sleep issues because I think that is one of the things as child care providers preschool teachers that like we know children need sleep but there's a lot of like struggle struggle bust there sometimes between uh what parents want what the at-home caregivers want and what we know is probably good for children and all the things so welcome Lindsay tell us tell us about yourself and like what brings
1: you here Um, So I've been in the early childhood education field for nearly a decade, different roles spanning from daycare teachers, substitutes, nannies, um, decided to like further specialize that I went for newborn care specialist and parent educator, and there was still just such a missing piece for me and that was sleep. So I decided and went and got enrolled in a holistic pregnancy and child sleep consulting course and finishing that certification and really just meshing that with my parent education to really drive home how important sleep is and just organically fitting it into your day. Absolutely.
0: Okay. So I'm just going to head in with one of the questions that I guess get asked a lot. And one of the things that I struggled with when I was in the classroom. Okay. <clears throat> so you have a kiddo, let's just say like three or four, and you got the at-home caregivers saying, don't let them sleep because they won't go to bed tonight. For me, if they take a nap at childcare, how do we deal with that? And you're going to be rich if you can give us like cut and dry answer. Like you're going to be a millionaire if you can figure this problem out
1: for um, child providers. I mean, honestly, my first question is like, who is this benefiting? Is this for the parent schedule or is this for like the child? Is this kid just passing out in no amount of sensory stimulation or books or tablets keeping this kid awake during nap time? Or is this kid genuinely past needing a nap at this point? And also, what time is mom and dad trying to put them to bed? Are we like a 7 p.m. bedtime family? Like we get home, you eat dinner, you go to bed. Because that Mm -hmm. might not be the kid's timetable and what's beneficial for them at this point. So ask parents, you know, depends on what time is pickup time, dinner, do they have extra activities afterwards versus when bedtime is? Are you just have? do you have two hours and then it's bedtime? Is your kid fighting bedtime the whole time? What does bedtime look like for you? Because if they're fighting or they're super active, you might just not be meeting their window. So I think it's important for, you know, teachers to ask that question. Like, yes, we could do it on my end. But if they're truly not ready for bed, they're not going to bed. They're just bottom line: anybody who works with kids know that a non-tired kid is just not going to sleep.
0: Mm-hmm. But how can or you tell the difference kept between them like up a... all day
1: and now they're so overtired that they right. completely missed their sleep window? So, like,
0: how do you know the difference
1: between being genuinely not
0: tired and being overtired and overstimulated?
1: I mean, so the sleep cues are pretty, you know, the eye rubbing, the falling asleep, and especially at that age, like the preschool age, kids will tell you when they're tired. They're like falling asleep. They're reading a book. Like if they sit still for too long, they're going to fall asleep, Yeah. Um, especially at that age. So I think it's important for extra documentation. If you're talking to parents about this, document what the morning looked like, what they did for their quiet time. Because again, I know a lot of you know, around here where I live, that's when staff takes lunch. So that changes their ratio because kids need to be on cots. And so that could just not be like what's going to work for parents because of the child care center you have, you know, so you Absolutely. have it's a communication both ways. You have to know these are the center policies. We can keep your kid up, but if they have to stay on a mat doing a quiet activity and they fall asleep, I can't guarantee they're, they're staying up the whole time. Absolutely. Okay.
0: Do you think it's beneficial for childcare providers, preschool teachers to provide education and information to the at-home caregivers about sleep and why it's so important and um, just like general information about sleep? Or do we stay away from that since it's like
1: I think there's some basic information that daycare providers can give out. Um, There's just so much scientifically around sleep that if you don't really know what you're talking about, it's kind of hard to justify, but there's a few like base points that kids truly like need sleep to play better. Um, So there's different non-REM sleep is when you take all of your days, everything you did that day, you process it and you break it down and you move it from short-term memory to long-term memory. That's when you're... Sorry, I'm trying to not do too many scientific words here. Um, <laughs> Use the scientific
0: words. We can, we okay. can it
1: down if we need to. Um, basically, it's the memory reactivation and consolidation. So you're processing everything you did that day. You're breaking it down. You're really consolidating everything you learned that day, everything you did that day, and you're breaking it down. And you're just furthering those neural pathways. You're just developing further. So you know that's when it becomes like brain memory. Like you can do something without even thinking about it because you've done Mm -hmm. it so many times. That's what play is to kids. That's why when we think we rotate toys every single week, we're not giving them the time to build those repetition and routines and all of the things that they need. So you're impacting their ability to play and learn throughout the day by not letting them get the adequate sleep that they need.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So uh... How? Okay. How, do you know, like, how much sleep do children need?
1: That's so hard to answer because every child is so different. Like, every adult is so different. You meet the adults that can sleep five or six hours and they're thriving. You meet the people who need a solid 10 hours of sleep. That's really such an individualized question. and You have to go based off cues. Okay. And is I, you know, a- there's the kids at nap time that wake up an hour into it and are still sleeping when half the other classroom is awake. You yeah. know, kids will listen to their bodies, and they're really good at it. We just kind of get in the way of that a lot of the Yeah,
0: time. Adults get a- in the way of a lot of things for you, and <laughs> unfortunately. Okay, so, um, how does sleep affect a child day to day? Like, if they have lack of sleep, how is this affecting them? at child I mean, care, at preschool like what can we, about
1: everything you we do up? in daycare I mean it's problem solving it's creativity your social interactions your decision making as an adult all of that is out the window when you're tired and cranky and grumpy and all of the things so it's the same for kids if we're not letting them get that sleep then are they going to play really well with others? Probably not. Are they going to expand into their creative worlds and storytelling and really use that imaginative play? Probably not as deeply if they're tired or there's some other need that needs to be met.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. When, um, okay. Let's, so let's say we have a parent who says, absolutely don't let make my child take a nap. I don't want them napping. How do we deal with that?
1: So, that's when you sit down and have a meeting and you need to discuss why they're not having a nap. Are they getting picked up early that day? Is this a regular thing? Does it have to include the bedtime? Has the doctor asked for this? Like, what's driving the absolutely no nap? Don't let my kid fall asleep. And is it at the best interest of the, the child at this point? You know, are they struggling to get through their day? Or are they absolutely exhausted at the end of the day? And that's what mom and dad want to just throw them into bed early? Just genuinely, like, what does that look like and where's the drive that's you know affecting what your child needs so again this is when you can give them some of the extra resources you can give them some of the documentation you can talk about what we're doing and why we have nap time in our routine because most centers have that explanation broken down Mm -hmm. and most parents who picked that center know what the daily schedule looks like yeah so that's something for them to really think about is the center meeting my needs or not? Because you can't make an individualized plan for every child in the center. That's just not how centers typically work, especially if half the kids need to stay awake because then you're not meeting ratios or things. And there's a lot of statewide compliances on what kids need or how structures need to look like during the day. So I think parents need to be more understanding of, yes, the center won't work with me, but like, why not? And if parents are really adamant, then again, do a one to two week trial and do the extra documentation. How did the morning go? How? What activity do we supply during the quiet time? Did they stay awake? Did they fall asleep? How has that affected their afternoon behaviors? And then really sit down again. Mom and dad, did this improve at home? Well, here's what our day looked like. We need to come up with a different game plan or this is working out.
0: Okay. So when, in y- in your experience working with children, is there a correlation at all between the type of play a child chooses to engage in and their amount of sleep, their sleep
1: quality? Um, I mean, absolutely. A child's sleep quality definitely influences their play. Um, so, and I think we have to take into consideration after somebody sleeps, or like their groggy phase afterwards, sometimes they're ready to jump in, they're ready to play with their friends, they're ready to do all the things. And sometimes they just need to like sit quietly and play. And, you know, you have that aha moment after you sleep, then sometimes kids have that and want to go back to something they worked on in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to offer both the solitary play and the group play after nap time. I think kids need different adjustments to different levels. Some kids... After they get their sleep, they're better with their social skills, they're better with like mood regulation and just all of the things. So that definitely affects how they play and the type of play that they have access to.
0: Mm-hmm. So okay. How do we um okay? How in an ideal world, what would so after rest time. Or even before, like, what does an ideal environment that's set up in the best interest of a child as it correlates to sleep? Like, what does that look like? What is, like, the ideal environment for a child, like, overall in general during the day, but also to help with sleep quality?
1: Yeah. Um. So if children are napping in the room that they're in all day, it's definitely, you know, having the soothing noise, making sure it's a little bit darker, having like that comfortable, comfortable, safe place for them to sleep and being able to transition that into setting up some solitary play activities. So even at some of the tables, you put out some coloring supplies, some of the small items that they could play with during the day, and then opening up some of like your typical centers, if that's how you're structure is based and really just having that half hour of adjustment time period to really before you go into the next learning thing or snack or next corralling like give everybody a moment to really process everything get back into the routine of everything and even having that half hour into your day adding nap is part of your routine so kids get to expect that they get to come to terms with what's next versus the startling I'm awake okay bathroom snack outside learning, like there's no jump into anything and it's really more soothing and at their pace. Absolutely.
0: What are some, okay, so let's talk about like, I'm, I'm specifically thinking about rest time <laughs> when I was in the classroom and, you know, we had like 25 kids and there was three adults and All the children, you know, you have the time, you kind of have the routine where they're supposed to like after lunch, put their things away and like go to the bathroom and get their blankets and, you know, half the kids don't go to the bathroom and then they wait until like all the lights are out and the music is on and then they're like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. So then you have like the popcorning of children getting up to go to the bathroom. Like what are some strategies that preschool teachers, child care providers can use at rest time besides like the dark and the music or the white noise, Um, you know, I'm sure most people do the traditional rubbing of the back or like, you know, taking a finger and running it down their nose or whatever it is. Is there anything else we're missing that we should be doing to help that time not be so stressful for the adults? (laughs)
1: Um, I love doing like a whisper or like a very low voice story and so that if kids are slightly engaged they're not as likely to go jumping up and running all around and um, so even and I know there's so many great options and apps and stuff for like a calming storytell reading and like having that playing is because it's more you know the kids trying to focus on something versus like the same soundtrack just keeps going over and over and over and over like I get restless and start rolling around as well like that's just what I do so I think some of that stuff and the whispering and really being quiet but still trying to meet their needs I know it's so tough because Sometimes the kids, and you know, sometimes this kid is going to do this every single day, no matter what mm-hmm. you do. And that's just the reality of working with that many kids in a space. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing you can do is just set up the environment and the routine to be the same as much as possible and really break down, you know, what each kid needs. And that just takes time getting to know each kid.
0: Absolutely. Um, If you could tell child care providers or preschool teachers one thing about sleep and children, what would it be?
1: Everybody's so different. Not one thing is going to work for everybody. And that's what, you know, makes my job as a sleep consultant so hard is I have a million tools in my bag, but none of them could work for a child. And you really have to And I know that's so much easier said than done in a child space, but making sure parents are all on the same page and parents know why you have sleep in your day can really just better set you guys up for success.
0: Do you have uh, what are some of your top resources that are accessible to just the general public on sleep? Where can people go to like find more out, to read more, to like learn more about sleep and why it's important?
1: um, I think most pediatric like doctors, you can ask them for some resources, but again, they only have a slight amount of training in sleep. Um, I think finding sleep consultants in your area usually have resources on their websites and they're usually the best bet to go to because they have the most updated training and knowledge and most have guides on their sites. So I think, and that differs for age and state and really, well, not like the logistics, but Really just finding someone in your area and that can, you can kind of talk to and even reach out to as like a center wide. We want some resources on this area and most are absolutely willing to help you in that regard. Absolutely.
0: Um, okay. I had, a, oh, I just like thought of a great question and now I don't remember what it was. I think it had something, <laughs> it definitely had something to do with play. Okay. So, and learning. How big of a correlation is
1: there between
0: learning and sleep?
1: Um, I mean, so like we talked about with the non-REM sleep, that's when you're processing everything that you did that day. So if you are processing everything you learned that day, you have a better understanding of it. If you have the opportunity to work and play at that same thing, again, you're just strengthening that neural pathway over and over and over again so you really truly need the good deep sleep to enter that non-REM phase and that's what's going to help you consolidate and process all your memories process all your thoughts really process and break down what you learned that day even as an adult you know you ever go to bed and you wake up and you have that aha moment figure figure out how to break through the problem or solve what you were doing sleep is really beneficial to helping you get through any subconscious like thoughts about something and that's how kids learn is through play and so by giving them the sleep and the access to play with the same materials over and over again we're just further the neural pathway connection for them
0: absolutely amazing well thank you so much for taking time to chat with me on the podcast, where can people find more of you and connect with you to learn more?
1: Um, I am on Facebook and Instagram as the brain that plays. And I have my website, the that plays.com launching at the end of this month with all of the sleep consulting, newborn care specialist and parent educating notes and just the importance of it all and how it all ties together. So
0: amazing. Awesome. We'll, we'll link that in the show notes. And it's been a pleasure. Thanks for being here, Lindsay. You're always my go-to for sleep stuff. So I appreciate you. And thanks for the work that you're doing for young children. If you liked what you heard today, share this podcast with your coworkers, admin, or maybe even your partner. And I love getting five star reviews so more people can embrace play. Hit follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. Or connect with me on Instagram or my website, KristenRBPeterson.com. Until next time.